0: The Rebel Priest. Real convos, shifting culture and creativity.
1: again friend hey it's the rebel priest coming at you like i always do just straight up and real no need to hide anything around here no need to pretend to be something that we're not we're all about telling the truth we're all about telling stories that may provoke you but we are a table of discussion that's always opening friend and others thoughts are always met with a listening ear But don't let that fool you into thinking this podcast is about anything other than fighting the agenda. That's being forced upon the American people. Here at the Rebel Priest, we refuse to give in to that narrative of who we are as sons and daughters of Yahweh. And if you're a created being, which you are, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a son or daughter of Yahweh. You may not walk in that purpose. You may not see yourself as that, but you are. You are. You are. Before we go into the episode today, you know what's happening. I'm going to show some love to the show sponsors, and we always do this. We, we, we love our show sponsors for, for, for many, many reasons, but they're just family. Fast Lane Auto Repair, Clinton, Tennessee. If you're in or around the Knoxville, Tennessee area, don't take your vehicle to an overpriced repair shop. Instead, give TJ and his crew the opportunity to serve you and your vehicle needs. They'll take good care of you. Fastlane Auto Repair. Brown Note Productions, top-notch luxury service guaranteed. From professional audio services to event coordination, let Brown Note Productions serve you well. Their capabilities cover everything from live music production to weddings, celebrations to corporate events. If you need a professional and relevant productions and sound company, look no further, friend. Contact them today for a free consultation and custom pricing. Brown Note Productions. Be sure to go down and give all of our... Sponsor some love. You can see their information in the description below. And it's time, friend. It's time. It's time to talk about the things that matter. I tip my hat to to all the people out there that are getting it done. And today's story, eh, it's about a guy that's out there getting it done. My friend's name is Mike, and Mike is one of those guys that when you meet him, you know that, that he's been through something, you know, when you meet somebody and you know, they've been through some things, you can kind of, you can see it in their eyes. Mike is one of those guys. When you hear his story, the first thing you're going to think is, man, this is a little crazy. You know, I I don't think, I don't think actually our that our judicial system operates like that. Well, friend buckle your seatbelt. Our government should be here to protect us, not to hunt us. Not to make us a fall guy for something that they, they need to make their book of convictions look better. You know, some people are out to stair-step their way up and gain higher title, higher position, and they'll do whatever it takes. That means they'll even pigeonhole or railroad somebody that did not do what they said they did. But the story you're going to hear today is completely true. My friend Mike has been very successful in his career. He has had time working directly with the Washington Redskins professional football team in the past. Mike has put his hand into a lot of things in the ministry, even into the marketplace. And when you meet Mike, you realize that he has had experience in a lot of areas. So this guy that you're going to hear talking today is not somebody that doesn't know how the world spins. This guy knows how things operate. And when you hear the story, you have to determine in your heart whether or not that the government that's supposed to protect us did him the way that he said they did him. I know they did. You know, he's going to tell you this, and you can also read this when you're looking at his book his federal public defender looked at him and told him, don't fight it. Don't fight it. They'll give you a decent sentence. Take it. Get out. Write a book. And make millions. Well, that's what Mike's doing. He's going to tell the story. So I hope that you have your popcorn ready. I hope that you have your snacks because it's going to be a great great story this is a story about corruption and getting the short end of the stick but coming out on the other end with a great story to tell sit back and enjoy the conversation friend so hey mike it is great uh again having you on the rebel priest podcast number one just because uh you're a homeboy and you're a bro and um (laughs) we've been been trying to do this for a minute so great having you on here and welcome
0: oh thank you brother i gotta tell you man you know when when the Lord arranged for you and I to meet, I felt like I had a new brother in my life, and it is always a pleasure to talk to
1: you. Oh man, same here. And you know, to our listeners, um, one of the one of the most popular podcast episodes that we have here at Rebel Priest is, of course, the tribute to Kai Rich. Um, I think people heard that podcast that didn't even really know Kai; they just knew people that knew Kai, um, and we both were able to have a treasure like him in our life and call him brothers. So that makes us brothers just because we shared a common brother. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, that is true. And it's, uh, I, you know, I I, I reach out to Melissa quite often just to stay in touch with her. And um, she's really handling this uh, you know, as we'd expect, but honoring the Lord and everything that she's doing, raising that little boy. Yeah. So yeah. really excited absolutely so
1: hey you know i know he's in our cloud of witnesses and yes he is there's one of these things these peaceful things that i feel when i come um out to arkansas every trip there's little places where um tara and and kai and myself stopped uh, along the way and they just became like places you know I, i remembered those places and um you know memories are good but uh, they're yeah. in our, our, our loved ones are in our cloud of witnesses and they're cheering us on. So, Hey bro, I don't want to take any, any more of your time because I know there's a good story here that my listeners are going to absolutely devour. So how about you just start at the beginning? Um, when you got the letter?
0: Uh, yeah, that's not a letter you, you really want to receive, you know, it's right. a letter from right. a United States attorney and it says that you are the target of an investigation, um, uh, for wire fraud. Um, and, and the letter said, if you'd like to talk about this prior to an indictment, just give us a call. You can come on in and maybe we can just work this out in the office. So I thought nothing of it. Um, with regard to the shutdown of the airline and the manner in which we had handled it, the Commonwealth of Virginia, because we had used some state funds, uh, had fully investigated it, spent five, six months investigating it two years before I got this letter. Uh, And said that we did everything right. In fact, the guy shook hands with me and said, you know, you were truthful. You were transparent. You handled everything right. We accounted for every penny. You guys are good to go. Wow! So two years later, to get a letter like that just was shocking. But at the same time, I thought, you know, no big deal, right? (laughs) Right, right. Well, that that wasn't entirely the truth. So um, I did reach out to them. They refused to talk to me uh, the allegation that he ended up making was that because I sent an email to creditors who were unsecured and it, based on our bankruptcy rules, they could not receive any funds. We had to cover, you know, priority and secured uh, secure debt with any money that came in as we were shutting the company down. And mind you, I wasn't even employed there anymore. I had already left. I was, I was working in ministry in Washington, DC. Yeah. Uh, but the, Company attorney, because I had all the relationships with our unsecured creditors, had asked me if I would send the email. So I did, thinking nothing of it. But the the, the federal prosecutor decided that since there was money in the account, that was a that was a, a scheme to commit fraud. It doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't make any sense to any of the attorneys that took a look at it. They said right. that it was the broadest stretch of the statute they'd ever seen. Uh, But what that amounted to was I'd sent five emails. He determined that uh, because there was money that we could have paid him. In fact, they even went so far as to tell me that because I said we did not have money to pay them. He said, if you had said we have money, but we're not allowed to give it to you, then you would have been okay. I mean, how so there's clearly no intent to commit any kind of a crime or fraud. Uh, But what they do with those five wire fraud charges is that then they charge you with five counts of money laundering and five counts of the use of funds obtained through wow. false. Uh, yeah. So they just keep stacking processes. it on
1: top, stacking it on top, stacking it on top. Now, do they, do they think all of those are going to stick?
0: No. And I think that's why they do it. You know, the feds, you know, you'll always notice that they have, if they charge somebody, there's always, you know, 15, 20, 30, Crimes that are supposedly are, are committed, and uh, right. and they do that so that it, it carries. So I, th- I think they do it because ninety percent of people who sit on a jury will say, "Wow, this doesn't make sense to me." But if they charged him with eighteen charges, there must be some truth, right? Right, right. and that's how you end up. So it gives the prosecutor an opportunity to get a plea, which the prosecutor, in my case, uh, has a ninety-eight point seven percent plea rate compared to a 66% nationwide rate. Wow. Wow. So that tells you a little something. Um, And he did immediately say, well, I just plead to one and we'll let, you know, we'll make sure you don't go to prison. Yeah. Uh, Which I refused. I said, I'm not, you know, you, you start out by saying I'm not pleading guilty to something I didn't do. That's right. And then, you know, I ended up with a federal prosecutor, a public defender, uh, you know, who told me right off the bat that she and the prosecutor were best friends had been friends for many years but that it wouldn't affect her ability to represent me yeah. but I really think she represented him more than she did me to be honest with you.
1: So that sounds like a lot of games they were playing. They said they were playing a lot of uh, back and forth
0: um, probably things yeah. going
1: on behind behind closed doors.
0: Oh no doubt, no doubt. And you know and, and at one point and what was so profound and what made me really decide I needed to just play this thing and get it over with was because I determined, you know, that he was accusing me of moving money out of a bank account that was opened long after I left the company and my name was not on it. And it never had, never had been on it. Yeah. But bro, they had a signature card in their evidence that had my name typed on it. No signature, but it had my name and the CEO's name and the, and the CFO's name typed on it. So I took it to the bank and the vice president said, I've never seen that before. I don't know where you got it but it didn't come from us. We don't have anything with your name on it on this account. So you would think, wow, I've got this. This this is now the this is the 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 bullet that will put an end to this nonsense That's because right. obviously someone has fabricated something. And when I went to the public defender and I told her this news and I said we're going to we're going to do a pretrial motion and we're going to get this vice president of this bank in to testify. She said, Mike, you don't understand. This case was never about truth, and it was never about guilt or innocence, and it was never about justice. Wow. She said, you were targeted, and if you challenge this prosecutor, you'll spend 10 years in prison for something you didn't do. The court will protect itself, and you'll pay the price. But if you will just plead to this case, plead to one charge, we'll see to it that you don't go to prison. Hmm. Well, that was a lie, too.
1: All they want you to do— is play their game, and if you go along mm-hmm. with it, everything will be okay. But if you fight, if you ever fight the system, oh. expect it. They're not going to just lay down. Oh no! no. So, so
0: you I, I would have spent ten years.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, you, you go through this process. Um, you go through your sentencing and, and everything. Talk to talk to me real quickly about um, what what was it like the day that you knew you had to you had to get up, get dressed and make your way down to the courthouse or to the jail or wherever you had to turn yourself in. What was that like that day for you and your family?
0: Well, as you can imagine, it, it it was awful, but we were, because of COVID was so bad, and the United States Attorney General had already stipulated, and you probably read in the book, that no one was supposed to be sent to federal prison That if you had less than two years to serve, and it was nonviolent. You were supposed to be sentenced to home confinement. Now, my attorney, because the prosecutor objected, refused to file that paperwork with the judge to keep me from going to prison. So I did show up. The camp, which is where I was supposed to go, the minimum security camp, uh, was a hospital. It was wow. being used as basically the hospital because they had so many COVID cases there. Uh, but instead, they just locked me in solitaire and left me there for 60 days. That is nuts. And, uh, you know... Oh, yeah. It was completely ridiculous. I mean, there were lieutenants in the department that helped me get a letter off to the chief counsel to complain about the way I was being treated in the prison. And the result of that was the regional director found out I wrote to the to the attorney complaining and he got me transferred to New Jersey so that I wouldn't be in his region and the attorney wouldn't have any reco- any ability to, to do anything. So there was just <laughs> that a whole nasty. game. And you know, yeah. there were, one of the counselors actually told me, she said, you're here because the prosecutor, um, told the, told the warden not to let you go. Wow. And they're, they're friends. And I'm like, they're friends. What, I mean, this is supposed to be Listen, I, you know, I want to make sure that people understand. I am this is not a tattletale story, right? Because right. I'm a believer that we have the best criminal justice system in the world. We the best government system in the world. Yes. The problem is there's a lot of flawed people That's right. involved in it, and there's no no way to hold there's no accountability. So if I was the supervisor of a unit with a prosecutor whose plea rate was 30% higher than anyone else's I'd be looking at what this prosecutor's doing because something doesn't sound right. Yeah. But yeah. that's not what happens he gets promoted. Right. <laughs> you right. know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Th- things are things were not in line. They were they were not no. running as they should. So you you go through no, this process and I know for a fact that when you w- were released um you were not the same man that you that that you were coming in, even though you were a good man going in. Um, you, you had, you had, I know an encounter while you were there. Can you share a little bit about that? And what was it like
0: reuniting with your family? I mean, there are very few people who will say I spent eight months in federal prison and I wouldn't pass it up for anything. And I can say that bro, Wow! because what God did, um, what he revealed, what he did, what he did in me and through me, what I got the opportunity to do for so many men yeah, yeah. in that prison was so amazing that you know they say, "Listen, bro. I mean, I know you've said it to him too, Lord. I, I, here I am. Send me." Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just have to be careful because he says, "Okay, I'm sending you where I know I can use you and I can make a difference in who you are. Yes, even more than where you already are." So I got this Bible study going. I got 15, 20 guys coming every night, five nights a week. And the guards are threatening to put me in the hole because I'm not allowed to do this. But after about a month or so, the one of the lieutenants called me down and he said, keep doing what you're doing because I can see the impact that's having in this building. Some of the most hardened 15, 20-year guys yeah, that yeah. have committed some really awful crimes. This is crying to God for forgiveness. Mm. You know, one of the most impactful things that when he got when he accepted the Lord as his savior, I gave him a hug, you know, which I found out I guess you're not supposed to do in prison, but I gave <laughs> him a hug and he said to me, You're the first man that's ever hugged me in my life. Wow, bro. That's and, I mean that's crazy. It was just amazing. Yeah. It was. Yeah. So getting out. You know, one day they just called me down and they said, you're going home Wednesday. And I said, boy, I've got five months left. And she said, no, don't ask any questions. We're sending you home. And the crazy thing is, Landon, a week later, I found out I had cancer. Twelve days after I got out, I was in surgery. Wow. And and the doctor made it clear if I'd waited another month, he said I probably would have had less than a year to live. So Mm. God did that too. Yeah. God did that. But it was beautiful because when the guy drove me to the train station to send me home, he said, bro, I've been here 24 years. He said, I've never seen anyone have the impact that you did. Yeah. And I said, it wasn't me, bro. It was Jesus. That's it, man. And he said, that building that you were in, think about it. He said, the whole seven months you were sitting in that building. He said, we had no violent crimes, no real fights. Come on, man. No, I mean, you got to be kidding. 300 men and we didn't have any problems at all. Yeah. Yeah. It was None. the glory, bro. It was the glory. The glory was there. The presence was there, man. It just, and guys would. Guys were walking around with their Bibles. They were reading their Bibles at the lunch tables. I mean, it was a beautiful thing to see, and I, God gets all the glory because I couldn't have done that on my own. Yeah. I'm a 60-year-old white dude going into a prison, then. <laughs> and, you know, the funny thing is is that it's very segregated in there. You live in the same room, but when it comes to TV and dining, it's segregated. They have black TV room, white TV room, Hispanic TV room. It's crazy. And wow. I could go and sit in any of them and I could sit at any lunch table and I was the only one. Yeah. And guys would be like, I've been here 15 years. I've never seen anyone with the access you have. And I'm like, uh, God did it, man. He's just opening doors. Every yeah, day man. I would wake up and say, God, show me your glory. Yeah,
1: that's so good. That's, right. that's so good. It was and cool, man. You know, I was just, um, I had this thought. And I know it was—it came out of a conversation. I was just having with Holy Spirit. But he said to me, he said, Landon, would you be willing to go and do something somewhere if it didn't benefit you at all, if all it did was serve a purpose for someone wow. else? And, you know, sometimes we we go through things in our life and we experience what we experience and all of these things, you know, um, happen and transpire. And we think we're always looking for where's it, where's the thing for us or where does yeah. this, where does this. Uh, grow me or benefit me or whatever, and sometimes I think, like you said, when you say yes, you say yes to the call. That means you're going wherever you're needed and wherever he knows he can use you to either bring change or to um, bring awareness. So, bro, I'm, I'm, you know, I just, uh, I, I applaud you, Mike. I, I, I love you with all my heart. I think you're, I think you're a great dude. And, you know, when we met, um, I, I knew there would come a day where what you what you then was talking about was just I I've got I've got this thing in my hand but nobody will publish it, right? Now it's real. Mm-hmm. So tell my listeners yeah. how can they go and find your book and how can they put it in their hands?
0: Well, it's it you can get it anywhere you buy books. It's on Barnes and Noble, it's on Amazon. It's called It Was Never About Justice, um, and and I want people to know that, I mean, I think that anyone who's struggling with anything in life and yeah. trying to figure out, wants to see a real example of what surrender looks like, because you and I both know, man, you know, th- that word surrender scares a lot of people. Oh, yeah. They're like, they want to surrender with, with, with options. It's like, I want to surrender, but I still want to live with my girlfriend. I'm going to surrender to you, God, but I still want to whatever. You can, you know, whatever your thing is. Yeah. But when you fully say, when you get to a place where you say, God, I I can't, I can't survive this without you emotionally, physically, mentally, I cannot survive this without you. It's amazing. My wife, who I give so much credit for, because she would ask me every day, where'd you see God's glory today? And honestly, sometimes I would tell her I didn't, (laughs) it's not here. Right. But there was a day that came where I finally said, okay, God, see your glory and the next day i woke up and i saw people differently i told them i want to see them the way you see them and yeah. what i saw were broken guys who had been fatherless and had been you know in bad situations and and many 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 carried so much shame and guilt for what they had done yeah some of these guys had never opened a bible had never been in a church right Right. And they would say, "Could you buy me a Bible? Could come you buy me a Bible?" Because they and they would read it. And they would come down the hall and they'd be like, "Hey, I just read this. What does this mean?" And or they'd get off, off the. They'd call me to the phones because their mother would be on the phone crying her eyes out, mm. saying, "Thank you for leading my baby to. I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this." I mean, that's amazing. It was bro. so beautiful to see. God never fails, and when He says, "I'll never leave you or forsake you," He's telling the truth. Absolutely, like He always does.
1: Well, I tell you, I went to the uh, review section and I see here tons of good ratings. And you know, one says you could be next, and that's the truth. You know, people need to wise up to that and always think about that. But uh, this says this should be a movie. It could be a movie, bro. And I think you uh, Mm -hmm. probably will see that come down the pipe. Uh, Another one that says this is a modern day Joseph story. There you go. What we were just talking about. Um And then yeah. one of the last ones there that I see it says truly inspiring you know people really have gotten a hold of this um and one of them says they couldn't put it down. They finished it in less than a week you know there's 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 people that really um it's not that they're hungry to read a story like this it's that they, they their desire to see how the Lord takes something and spin it around they might think they're yeah. buying one thing. But they're going to get a whole whole different story once they read it and see how it's spun into the Father's heart. So I hope they go yeah. and buy
0: you out, bro. Uh, well, I appreciate it. And I, and I have received letters from people literally all over the world from that have bought it. And have been impacted by it. And the ones that I love the most are the ones that say it caused me to open the Bible and read it again. Or it caused me to draw closer to the Lord. Or I've decided to go back to church because of this. Because I've seen what the Lord could actually do. And I want him to do that for me. And I'm like, he will. He loves you the same way he loves me. And I, I don't care what you've done. I, the thing that he showed me was I love all the men that you're surrounded by, regardless of their crimes. Hmm. So when they would come to me and talk to me, I never asked them what they did. Wow! I didn't want to know. I didn't care. Come on, come on. That's because right. Because all I knew was that they were a son of God yes. who had stepped away from him, but were now pleading for his forgiveness, and that's all you got to do. That's it. Man. And he'll give it to you.
1: What an incredible story. One of the things that, that that got me the best was when he talked about having to go through the process receiving the letter, playing the games, and then ending up on the short end of the stick, even when they, they sentenced him. He should not have been in a federal prison. He should have been at home due to the situation with COVID. Sometimes our journey doesn't look like what we think it should look like, and sometimes we have to go places that we never would have picked or imagined to go that's a part of what makes our journey unique. So friend, I want to tell you, if you can't listen to that story and find hope, and if you can't listen to that story and find peace, I don't know what else will. Hey, thanks for listening and joining me again for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you'll come back for more. It's the end, the end, the end of season two. Season three comes out next. It's going to be great. We're going to be talking about sacred cows. We're going to be talking about the things that the church doesn't want to talk about. We're going to be talking about things society wants to kind of keep in boxes. We're going to talk about all of it, friend. We're letting it all out. We're going to talk about Flat Earth. We're going to talk about Sasquatch. We're going to talk about aliens and UFOs. And you're going to find out where I stand on all of those. And I don't want to let you guys down. Taylor Swift is a witch, and we're going to talk about that, too, in Season 3. You can think what you want, guys. I'm sorry. Not hating on anybody. I said what I said. Hey, I love you so much. Go be a rebel against the system that's trying to destroy the moral backbone of our society. Go love big today and forgive bigger. Peace. See you next week.